Hello everyone, it's your favorite mermaid, Angel Sand. I just want to let you know that this is the last and final episode of season one of Dirty Talk. Also, it has been a pleasure to have everyone continue to listen to me week after week and keep my listens up. I didn't realize how much support I was getting from everyone. I have more than 2,000 listens now and I'm really, really happy to hear that people are coming back to support time after time, and I hope to keep you interested. Season two is going to be great. We have new segments. We interviewed a new group of 50 guys, and we have new guys on the show. I think that you're going to love it. It's real fun and entertaining as normal. And also send in your questions. If you have advice you would like to get from the guys on the show, we'll do it real time on an episode. So send in your questions, send in something you want advice on, and we're going to go ahead and put that to work. Thank you again for tuning in. And one last thing, the audio in this one is kind of crazy, guys. I tried something new, didn't work out. I won't try it again, but I still believe that you need the content. Azariah is one of the best guests I've had so far because he offers some insight and something a little more intellectual than what we've gone through before. This is not a question. This is Dirty Talk, the cleanup. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dirty Talk Podcast. 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 Welcome, everybody. It's your favorite mermaid, Angel Sin. Welcome to our 10th episode which is also the final episode of season one. I have enjoyed sharing with you. We've had a lot of fun times, some very interesting conversations and guests over this first season. And I thought that it would be very, very intellectual and spiritually aware of us to go ahead and clean it up at the tail end before we enter into season two. So I have the opportunity to have Dirty Talk, the cleanup. We'll have these episodes about every 9 to 15 weeks after I complete the survey data. Sets each time, we'll have a cleanup episode. And I'll have a wonderful man with me to discuss it each and every time as long as he is available. And I would like to give him a moment to introduce himself. I'm going to call him Azariah, and he's going to talk to you a little bit about him and what he does, and then we'll move on into having our wonderful discussion. Hello, my name is Azariah Ellington, and I'm very happy to be included in this show. I, I, I have great expectations for where it's going, and I hope also that I might be a benefit to those who hear and are interested in the subjects that are being discussed. Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Are you on any type of social media where people could connect with you? I primar- I am on Facebook. I am on um, Links. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Linksist. All right. So, <laughs> moving on. So, Azariah, I've given you the opportunity to look at the questions that we have asked over the past season. Yes. And you see that they vary and that they range. And the guys have had several opinions. Most of our shows up to this point have been incredibly lighthearted, except for some little special episodes I have put out. But for the most part, it's fun. And, you know, sometimes it can be kind of graphic depending on the guest and how they want to discuss the question that they have chosen. Mm -hmm. But 
more than anything, the main focus of this show is to give everybody the opportunity to gain insight. Well, into the guy's brain so men can learn how other men think and women can learn how men think especially single women who are still looking for someone and men who are looking for a woman too they can be a little more transparent than some men who are already in a relationship they might be afraid that they're going to get put in the doghouse for saying how they really feel or Mm -hmm. how they really think and if we are able to get this clear perspective, maybe we can start our relationships more honestly. I see. So I kind of wanted, but also I think that sometimes sex is a big pain point for many reasons, depending on how religious you are or depending on how religious you are not or how you were raised or trauma you have experienced. It can be a pain point in a relationship that many don't want to talk about because we want to say that it's small, but I believe that it is a pretty weighted component in a relationship. Okay. So, your thoughts, your input? Well, when when it comes, I think when we're looking at just the overall picture of sex, you're looking at probably one of the most intimate and most exposed conditions a person can find herself or himself in. So there you have, by itself, you're looking at a huge array of feelings just on that level. Getting naked, uh, being seen, or what do I, what am I, what is someone thinking of me at this particular time? Particularly my intended. Your intended. So what, what I've learned throughout this experience is many people are having sex without that other person being their intended. Like casual sex is pretty frequent. Um, and many people are having sex under those conditions and then they find themselves sometimes in compromising positions, meaning, you know, they thought that that person actually liked them or, you know, they were a little more inebriated than they thought and they really wouldn't have done that under another circumstance. You know, things like that that kind of put a wound or a mark on how they're approaching their sexuality. Like, what kind of thoughts do you have around people who are just out there, quote-unquote, having fun or seeing where things go but not looking for a commitment? Now, that's a big question there because, let's face it, uh, within the last, uh, let's say, to cover some nice ground, let's say within the last, it has to be like 40 years, actually, for th- things have changed a great deal. Let's say from the 80s to where we are now, 2020, uh, not to mention if you roll the script back just another small 10 years, 50 years, you're looking at the introduction of birth control and so on and so forth, which opened the door for a lot of these things to just jump right over the fence. And life changed because that particular dynamic became so available. The birth control pill became uh, available. Abortion became available and these particular items entered the mainstream of our society and actually helped build a whole new consciousness in our society or in American society for that matter where mothers were trying to teach their daughters how to abstain from sex the only thing they had to do at this point was give them a pill 
And if they do the major slip up and get pregnant, we're just calling it that, then they had the option within a certain period of time for an abortion. Oh, that's very, very interesting to think about the societal norms or the way we as humans think about like, oh, um, you have to protect yourself and virtue is a value. I'm taking the whole entire ideal of virtue is something to be protected because God wants us to honor our bodies and our minds and our hearts and protect it. So we shouldn't share it with anyone because if I, my body's a temple, I definitely shouldn't let the devil in or this little bum over here mm-hmm. come in, in, you know, into my physicality, if you will. Mm-hmm. But taking all of that away, if we just think of it from a normal human evolutionary standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. Casual sex is more okay now because we have protections, even to the extent of protections from STDs and so on. So, like, I can afford to be more casual in thought and action because of those availabilities versus... In 1935, when that wasn't there, you better keep your legs closed, girl, because you come up with a baby. There's no coming back from that. There is no abortion, or you're going to go around to Susie Q with a hanger and get rust and die, or whatever else you know people were doing to try to abort babies back then. It was a very dangerous thing. So the best thing for you to do was model this particular lifestyle. It was more of preservation, some would say. Versus it actually being the right thing to do. Exactly. That's no longer the question. We try to remove that question from the equation, or or should I say that answer from the equation. Same thing we're doing with drugs. In Canada, what they're doing is they have little places where you can go shoot up safely, and uh, there are nurses slash doctors available. So if you... Like, Like people are going, like Canada's now Amsterdam? Well, uh, Canada's been doing uh, 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 been doing this for a while, where they have uh, these um, clinics uh, where people can go and shoot up. It, they found that it's a whole lot safer. There's a lot less burglar uh, uh, crime and so on related to it because people know that they can safely go to one of these clinics and shoot up and actually make the mistake, or should I say, get high or use whatever drug. And, and make mistakes because they have the medical personnel there to help re- them recover. So, again, you have a problem uh, uh, you, where you're trying to soften the blow. You also widen the spectrum for those who might sample. Same thing for sex. So now you have the birth control pill. A lot of people, a lot of young ladies and, and men... Uh, uh, at the time when there was no birth control, everyone was more concerned about that major problem. And I hate to say a child is a problem, but there it is. You have this child brought into the world that no one's ready for. You have this 14, 15, 16-year-old young lady who is a parent now. You have a father in the same age group and now you're talking about raising a child with an understanding that we're going to bring this child up in which way? The way where they know best. Exactly. Right? And what does a 14, 15, 16-year-old person 
really know or what life experiences do they have to grasp upon at that time because they are still going through adolescence themselves. And as we all know, when we are adolescent, that is generally the time where we try to remove ourselves from our parents. What they have as valuable information or insight is not as readily received. So imagine you do need their wisdom at the time when you're raising your child, but you want to be removed because you want to prove that you are an adult. You have made this what society is calling a mistake. So you already feel downtrodden and looked down upon and you want to prove that you're going to overcome all of that and you're going to do it on your own because you are an adult and you are grown. It's still crazy. How do we come into the kids? Because we were talking about grown people having sex, well, but still. <laughs> but that, because the child, the child is one of those products of the sex issue. Our society has changed so much today. Uh, uh, there's a commercial running now where this woman introduces her son. It's an insurance commercial. She in introduces her son. She says it. I am very happy to have my son at home, but I can't hold him on my insurance. I need him to at least take care of that element of his life. What, why I'm using that is you, that person is from, quote unquote, another culture. In the American culture, the number one thing we want to do is get our children out of the home at 18 and, and then have them on their own. Get out of the house. Go to school, go to work, but get away from here. You're 18 years old, you're a grown person, yada, yada, yada. Well, society, that's another norm that's changing because you have a, another dominant culture coming into the American culture, and that is the uh, uh, Spanish culture, uh, the Latin American culture, uh, uh, and cultures from other countries who are immigrating here. They're bringing their concept, and this is a concept, personally, I think is very strong. A child should be remain at home until he or she is actually platformed for the dive. But that's another story. All of that relates to our sexual, what would I call it, maturity, our, our sexual... Um, socialization, uh, our sexual interactions, uh, even as far as when we're married. When we're married, there are some people who have been married for years, and there are certain things that they don't know intimately about their partner. Do you feel, like, that's one thing that um, I kind of asked. I have a social media page called The Real Angel Fan. Go mm -hmm. follow me, y'all. Mm -hmm. But either way, uh, I ask questions daily. And one question I asked is like, we all want to know about our partners, but what is one thing that you don't want to know? Like, what is one thing you wish that they would keep to themselves? And the answer was overwhelmingly about their sexual history. <laughs> I don't want to know how many people they've had sex with. I don't want to know their best sexual experience and who it was with. I don't want to know anything good that happened to them past sexually. I don't want to, you know, and that's, and it was repetitive. They didn't want to learn about that. And it was like one guy. He is like one of my most faithful followers. And he's like, hey, I want to know all those things because that is what makes up the woman that I love. All of those past experiences, all the things that she's been through is what makes her who she is today. And I want to share every little detail and secret. And I thought about this. 
a man who I love, honor, and respect told me that you shouldn't even tell the man that you lay next to your deepest, darkest secrets. Some things should remain within yourself. Well, now, this is subjective. This is personal. And, and, and the thing is, it's going to change no matter how large the group is that goes pro, you still have the intermediate and you also have the con on that question. And most people feel put out when their partner begins to discuss who made them happiest. <laughs> who from, well, Billy used to do that. Yay. I mean, those kinds of things are hard for others to carry on in, uh, uh, into their life and feel comfortable with their partner. Yet, we want to know our partner. We want to know what he or she likes, dislikes, how can I, how can you, will you, what, and so on and so forth. And answering those questions, for the most part, most of us are um, jealous. Uh, we won't admit that. Most of us are prideful. We won't admit that. Most of us are afraid that we are actually not going to bring it when it's time. And so those things have uh, 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 great issues for when your mate begins to tell you that uh, uh, um, uh, there's an old uh, joke that was used in, in a magazine that was saying, my, my last husband, I used to call him Hines. He knew 57 different ways. <laughs> Hi, he knew 57 different ways. That is hilarious. And, her, and, and the picture is know, in shock. I know, Azariah, that you don't look at my social media page for Dirty Talk. And that's dirty spelled with the U, you guys. But the, um, I have another social media page for this podcast. Dirty Talk podcast, and I do memes. And please understand that the Heinz 57 meme is on the way. Right? <laughs> but I have another question, and this is actually going to be our final question for this episode. And it has been so awesome talking to you. I cannot wait until the next time. But the final question I have is Do you believe that a relationship can survive uh, with sexual incompatibility? Meaning somebody's sex drive might be higher than the other or um, someone likes to do things that the other person considers too taboo or kinky or one person has kinks and the other person finds that as gross or, you know, disgusting and they want them to change and, you know, become more upright or um, one person, when they got together, they both like the same things and then one person has now become... Um, a born again Christian, and, and with that, they feel like they don't want to have um, sex the same way anymore because they feel like it, it dirties them up and they're trying to focus on their relationship with God. Like, there's all these, you know, different components of incompatibility. Right. Do you feel like the relationship can't survive? If, but everything else is strong, right? They both agree on finances, they both agree on basic life models, but that sex element, there's a gap. Can the relationship survive? Oh, yes, most definitely. Uh, if you think of how many people who claim, I'm saying claim, they, uh, particularly women, they've never uh, uh, enjoyed sex with their partner. But, but they have a relationship, productive, uh, 
progressive relationship with their partner. And that is where they put uh, all of their bricks, is that I'll take the fact that I'm not getting the kind of sexual gratification or need or whatever uh, I might be looking for. I'm getting something. I'm getting some and so on and so forth. And it's going to vary from person to person. Some people, as we know, are more mature, more tolerant. Some people are, are, are less fearful. Some people are willing to learn, compromise, change. If you're in love with someone, if that's, that's if that element truly exists, that you love someone, there are so many things. Anyone who would lay down their life for someone, well, definitely I'll lay down my sexual preference in that in between us for you. That was a little deep. Now I wish we had a lot more time because that's something to dig into, right? To consider that my love overrides sex and that takes us back to sex is not equivalent to love, Right? You know, the fact that you can detach sex and love, which many say is not true. Like, relationships have been ended and destroyed over sex. And a lot of times it is the woman ending because the man has had sex with someone else. And you know what the man says? Do you know what they say? No. I don't love her. I don't love her, though. But it's very, very difficult, you know, just... And I think that's, again, another societal, you know, norm or thought or is culturally based. But actually, I lied. I said the other was the last question. But really quickly, I want us to readdress something. I think that when we talked about the span of 50 years and uh, the sexual openness or sexual revolution, if you'll call it, um, throughout that time, mm -hmm. we really kind of focused on women. Do you believe that men were the same whoremongers way back then as they are today, meaning being as promiscuous and, you know, right now, like, it's so funny. I was talking to some guys recently and we talked about how, like, so many men have more than five baby mothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and they only have one child per, you know, and they're keeping that train rolling. Just because they have five, they're not done, right? They, they have not said maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. They are still continuing that train of getting multiple women pregnant. Mm -hmm. But so back then in 19, you know, 38 again, mm -hmm. do you, you believe that men were as promiscuous as they are today? I would say yes. Uh, the thing is, there, there are certain limitations that have been removed. If you reinstate those limitation, limitations, then you have the same concept. It's like, uh, 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 for instance, where we are right now in our, in our society is a change in sexuality overall with the uh, uh, LGBT and, 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 and so on. But things have changed. And since things have changed, the 1930s man, I would say, is was just as promiscuous as the 2020 man. It's just that he or she had hurdles. Mm, more hurdles to climb, to execute. And, and I would say even more so because 
many men climbed all of those hurdles to get what they want. You're talking about some serious soldiers going through the things that they have to go to travel, which it was not the same. You have housing, availability, and so on and so forth that are not the same today. Making things so much easier today. Big cities today, millions and millions and millions of people. Come on. Yeah, it's pretty easy to be a whore. I see. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but you can draw that conclusion. Absolutely. So, um, at the new season i have a segment that's coming and it's called dirty minds and what dirty minds is about i have male listeners and some men enjoy the show just for what it is and then some men are like what do men get out of listening to your show i still stand firmly that you get to hear how other men think and it validates your thought or you can say oh that guy is crazy or you have all the it's just interesting to hear other points of view but i really thought about it I want this show to be equally for men as it is for women. So I thought that one thing going forward that would be nice is for every man that comes to the show to drop a line of wisdom to the next man. Might be a younger man or just a life experience that you had that was changing and made you wiser, made you more compassionate, um, evolved your spirit because of this particular circumstance that you feel could save someone from going down the same path or making the same mistake. And I would like to give you the opportunity, Azariah, to be the very first person to expel the thoughts on your dirty minds to these young men out here trying to find their way. I would, I would say right off the top of my head, immediately, patience. Patience has been one of the most revolutionary things I have experienced with the opposite sex, patience. And patience, in my opinion, carries from the living room to the bedroom. And there's nothing like having, in my, from a heterosexual male, nothing like having a woman with patience. In all of those areas, she brings something to the table that just blows my whistle, if I could say that. I can see that. So you're telling the guy to have his patience to match hers, and what they will have will be mind-blowing? I most definitely am. Can you give me the, um, like patience in what types of situations and scenarios? Uh, well, for men, men, many men. Many men suffer. Many men suffer with the anxiety of fulfillment to his partner. Having a partner who knows how to be patient enough to bring you to where they are, as far as who you are in a relationship with them. It's on. That sigh sounded like you were thinking of someone in particular, and we're not going to go there, sir. <laughs> I'd like to thank you so, so much for coming on to Dirty Talk and sharing your thoughts with us today and sharing 
some insight for these young men. We will speak with you again in a few weeks for the next Dirty Talk cleanup. It's been a pleasure. God bless you. And everybody, thank you for taking a dive in my ocean. I'll speak to you next season. Thank you for having me. Dirty Talk Podcast. Dirty Talk Podcast. Podcast.